0: Hello, this is Jude from newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Friday, the 15th of January. India registered 15,590 new coronavirus cases, taking the total tally to 1.05 crore or 10.5 million people. Countrywide active cases dropped to 2.13 lakh, while recovery surged to 1.01 crore or 10.1 million. The country's death toll rose by 191 to 1,51,918. Ahead of the large-scale vaccination drive that is scheduled to begin in the country from tomorrow, the central government issued guidelines to states and union territories. Some of the important guidelines included that only those who are above the age of 18 years are allowed the administration of the vaccine. The centre said that the women who are pregnant or not sure of their pregnancy and lactating mothers should not receive the vaccine. The centre also outlined how interchangeability of vaccines would not be permitted, meaning the second dose of the vaccine should be the same as the first one. Prime Minister Narendra Modi will launch the mass vaccination drive tomorrow. He is scheduled to connect with over 3,000 vaccination sites across the country via video conferencing. The central government said today, and I quote, Around 100 beneficiaries will be vaccinated at each session site on the inaugural day, unquote. The first phase of inoculation will last till August in which 3 crore frontline workers followed by around 27 crore people above the age of 50 and others with comorbidities will be vaccinated. Thousands of farmers from Punjab, Haryana, Rajasthan, Uttar Pradesh and other states have been protesting against the centre's farm laws for over 50 days now. After 8 rounds of talks between the farmers and the centre remaining largely inconclusive, the ninth round of talks took place at Delhi's Vigyan Bhavan today. Ahead of the talks, farmer leaders, however, told news agency PTI that they did not have much hope for a positive outcome and would not settle for anything less than the repeal of the agricultural laws. Bupinder Singh Mann, one of the Supreme Court nominees for the Independent Committee on Farm Laws yesterday, recused himself from the committee. Mann said today regarding this decision, and I quote, Since protesting farmers have announced not to appeal before the committee, there is no point in being part of it, unquote. He wrote a letter today that read, and I quote again, In view of prevailing the sentiments and apprehensions amongst farm unions and public, I am ready to sacrifice any positions so as to not compromise Punjab and farmers' interests. Bharatiya Kisan Union Lok Shakti spokesperson Shailesh Kumar Giri today welcomed Man's decision to recuse himself. Giri said that the other three members of the Supreme Court-appointed panel should also follow suit and not be on the wrong side of history. Bharatiya Kisan Union leader Balbir Singh Rajawal today wrote an open letter to farmers urging them not to believe the rumours being spread to defame their agitation. He said that fake news was being spread that farmers will head towards a red fort or parliament on January 26 during Republic Day celebrations. Rajawal added that the outline of the Kisan parade will be made public next week. Meanwhile, according to a report in the Hindustan Times, Congress leaders Rahul and Priyanka Gandhi today, along with party workers, Walked towards the Raj Bhavan in Delhi to stage a gherao, meaning a protest in which a location is surrounded. Rahul Gandhi said that the BJP would have to repeal the laws and the Congress would not relent till it was done. A spokesperson of the International Monetary Fund, or IMF today, commented on the centre's farm laws. Kerry Rice, Director of Communications at IMF, said that the IMF believes that the farm laws passed by the Indian government have the potential to represent a significant step toward for agricultural reforms. He added, however, that there is a need to strengthen the social safety net for those who might be adversely affected by the transition to the new system. On January 11th, at the hearing on the farmers' protests in Supreme Court, Chief Justice of India, S.A. Bobde, expressed confusion as to why old people and women are kept in the protests. Advocate AP Singh, who claimed to be appearing for one of the farmer unions, the Bharatiya Kisan Union, subsequently told the court that in view of COVID and the harsh Delhi winter, women, children and the elderly would not participate in the protest any longer. But what do the women farmers who are protesting against the Narendra Modi government's new farm laws feel about the court's suggestion? My colleagues Nidhi Suresh and Aditya Varir met some of the women camping and protesting at Singhu on Delhi's border to find out. Do watch the video titled Sorry, this isn't a man's protest. Women farmers on SC wanting them to go home. Dear listeners, we are an independent news platform producing podcasts, round reports, interviews, videos, media critique and much more. We would not be able to do all this work if not for our subscribers who fund it. So if you aren't a subscriber already, now is the time to join the movement to keep news free and independent. Go to newslaundry.com and hit the subscribe button at the top right-hand corner of the website. Lowest subscription starts at 300 rupees a month only pay to keep news free President Ramnath Govin today donated rupees 5 lakh 1000 for the construction of the Ram temple at Uttar Pradesh's Ayodhya This came on the day when the temple trust launched its countrywide contribution drive for the construction of the temple Govind Giri the co-president of the trust met the president today to seek the funds He was accompanied by the Vishwa Hindu Parishad working president Alok Kumar who said in I quote he is the first citizen of the country, so we went to him to initiate this drive. Unquote. Meanwhile, Madhya Pradesh Chief Minister Shivraj Singh Chauhan also donated rupees 1 lakh for the construction of the temple. The campaign to collect funds for the temple will be carried out across 5 lakh villages. The sum collected will have to be deposited within 48 hours in banks. The drive is scheduled to end on February 27th. The construction of the Ram Temple began in August last year over two weeks after Prime Minister Narendra Modi laid its foundation stone at a ceremony in Ayodhya on August 5th. In a verdict in November 2019, 27 years after the demolition of the Babri Mosque in 1992, the Supreme Court had ruled the disputed land in Ayodhya would be handed over to a government-run trust for the construction of the temple. The court had also said that the demolition of the Babri Masjid was illegal and directed the government to acquire a separate plot of land to build a mosque. The construction work for the new parliament building in the national capital kicked off today. It came a month after Prime Minister Narendra Modi laid the foundation stone for the project under the government's Central Vista redevelopment plan. The new parliament building will be triangular in shape and is expected to be completed by Independence Day 2022. The government plans to hold the monsoon session of parliament in 2022 in the new building. Earlier this week, a 14-member heritage panel gave its approval to the new parliament building along with a green signal to the Central Vista redevelopment project. The Supreme Court of India had asked the central government to seek prior approval from the panel and other relevant authorities before starting the construction. The construction could not start earlier, as pleas challenging the construction were pending in the Supreme Court. The project aims to renovate and redevelop 86 acres of land in Lutyens' Delhi. A petition was filed in the Supreme Court last year, challenging the centre's plan to change how to use the 86 acres of land. The petitioner had submitted how the government's order to change land use involved environmental and municipal violations. Subsequently, the Supreme Court on January 5, 2020, had ruled in favour of the Central Vista project. The project is estimated to cost 971 crore rupees. The new Parliament building will house larger Lok Sabha and Rajya Sabha halls with the extended capacities. Besides the new Parliament building, the redevelopment of the Central Vista corridor also commenced today. The plan envisages a common central secretariat, revamping of the three-kilometre Rajpath from Rajtharpati Bhavan to India Gate, new Prime Minister's residence and Prime Minister's office and a new Vice President enclave. The Supreme Court had allowed the foundation laying of the Central Vista project in early December of 2020, despite widespread professional and civic anguish over the project. The permissions and sanctions of various civic departments were given in a hush-hush manner, while the environmental clearance was still pending. In December last year, Alpana Kishore did an in-depth analysis of the inconsistencies and secrecy surrounding the project on newslaundry.com. To read how multiple laws and basic democratic principles were flouted to kick off the project, head over to our website and read the report titled Central Vista – The Ignominy of Building India's Parliament by Breaking the Law. Dear listeners, please consider this a trigger warning as the following news story may contain graphic instances of sexual violence. The UP police has identified nine more victims in a sexual abuse probe against expelled BJP office bearer in Conch City, Ram Bihari Rathor. The police identified nine more victims, including seven minors, on the basis of data recovered from a laptop and other devices seized from Rathor. Rathor, who is the former vice president of the BJP's Conch Unit, was arrested on Wednesday on charges of sexually exploiting two children. Station House Officer OSHO Conch Police Station Imran Khan said, That soon after Rathor's arrest, his laptop, DVD and hard disk was seized from his house. Khan added that the two children who had lodged the complaint against Rathor and alleged that he used to sexually abuse them in his office. Elaborating on how the matter came to light, Khan said that a few days ago, Rathor had lodged a complaint with the police that his CCTV and digital video recorder, DVR, had been stolen. Two miners were later found with the equipment and apprehended. During investigation, obscene material was found in the DVR. Khan said the children who had stolen the equipment were being blackmailed by Rathor with the obscene videos. Khan further added that the accused would lure young children by giving them money and made their obscene videos that he would later use to blackmail them. The police said that so far in the investigation, no evidence had been found to suggest that the obscene material was being sold to any pornographic site or in the market. Officials added that the statements of the victims identified would be recorded in connection with the existing FIR against Rathor. In a three-hour budget speech, the longest in the history of Kerala Assembly, the state's finance minister Thomas Isaac today unveiled the LDF government's plan for the next five years, if re-elected to power in May. Presenting the last budget of Chief Minister Pinarayi Vijayan's government, Isaac focused on employment as one of the primary thrusts of the new budget. He said that the government plans to launch a digital platform through which companies will directly be able to hire job seekers for work-from-home or work-near-home models. He added that the government plans to provide jobs to at least 20 lakh people in the next five years through the platform. The minister said free food kits being distributed amid the pandemic will continue for some more time. He introduced a smart kitchen scheme in which women will be provided a loan to refurbish their kitchen with low interest rate in instalment schemes. Beside this, there were key allotments made in the medical, civic, tourist and education sector. Now let's move on to the international updates. Globally, the coronavirus has infected more than 93.2 million people so far. The global death count owing to the virus inched closer to the 2 million mark, while 51.3 million people globally have recovered from it till now. The US, India and Brazil continue to have the highest covid caseload in the world. The United States President-elect Joe Biden today unveiled a $1.9 trillion COVID relief package to combat the pandemic and the economic crisis in the country triggered by it. France, meanwhile, imposed fresh restrictions to contain the spread of the virus in the country. French Prime Minister announced that the government will impose a countrywide curfew at 6pm from Saturday to combat the increase in COVID-19 cases. Amid concerns of the spread of the mutant variant of the virus from Brussels, The British Transport Secretary Grant Shapps said today, the United Kingdom would impose a ban on travel from South America and Portugal. Neighbouring Nepal, meanwhile, approved AstraZeneca's Covishield vaccine developed in India today. The country's Department of Drug Administration said, and I quote, conditional permission has been granted for emergency use authorization of Covishield vaccine against COVID-19 in Nepal, unquote. At least 34 people have been killed and hundreds injured following a strong earthquake that shook Indonesia's Sulawesi island on Friday morning, prompting landslides and destroying houses. Eight people died when the five-storey Mitra Manakara hospital in Mamuju partially collapsed. About 60 people were safely evacuated from the hospital. Officials fear the death toll will increase as rescue efforts continue. The full extent of the damage caused by the quake, which was 10 kilometres deep, is still emerging. Accessing affected areas is a challenge. Roads are blocked, bridges have fallen and the local airport in Mamuju has also been damaged. Electricity is cut and phone lines are down. Videos shared on social media showed panicked residents rushing to safety and collapsed homes brought down by the quake. In one video, a father could be heard asking people to help rescue his children, buried under rubble. A footage released by the National Disaster Mitigation Agency showed a girl trapped in the wreckage of a house, crying out for help. The quake did not trigger a tsunami warning, but the head of Indonesia's Meteorology and Geophysics Agency, Dwikorita Korita Karnavati, told a news conference that strong aftershocks could follow with the possibility that another powerful quake could trigger a tsunami. There had been at least 26 aftershocks in the area in the past day, with Friday's quake preceded by a magnitude 5.9 quake on Thursday afternoon. In 2018, the city of Palu in Sulawesi was struck by a devastating 6.2 magnitude quake and tsunami that killed thousands of people. Before I wrap up, listeners, our new website has a new podcast player that you can use to access all our podcast shows. It includes a host of features like download, speed control, cue, ability to skip to a topic within an episode and even start from where you had stopped the previous time. So go to our website, newslaundry.com, on your phone or your laptop and click on the mic icon at the top right of our homepage. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a good day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent